In this series, lowimpact.org and the Open Credit Network talks with people working to build a mutually owned, democratic, decentralised economy that builds community and doesn't destroy nature. We want to increase collaboration to bring about system change. Find links to the sites mentioned in the videos in the description below. Join the conversation by liking, commenting and subscribing to our channel. So, hello. Um, I'm talking with Lynn Davis today of the Open Food Network. Hi, Lynn. Hi. And um, I, I would like to help spread the word about what you're doing um, but for beginners and especially for non-techies and to sure. talk, about, talk about how the new economy sector, for want of a more precise label, can come together and start to take over the economy. So um, by way of introducing you, so what do you do? <laughs> uh, so I'm part of the team that runs the Open Food Network. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, so the Open Food Network, we're a global organization um, and we operate in regions around the world, including the UK. So obviously the UK is where I'm most involved. Um, and we create tools, software, opportunities for learning uh, for the purposes of building community food enterprises. So um, food enterprises that put people and planet before profit, I suppose. And why do you do it? What, what problem are you trying to solve? All right, so um, I, think, I think we all probably, anyone watching this video is pretty aware <laughs> uh, that um, we're creating a lot of problems with the way that we currently operate uh, our economy. And I think food and agriculture uh, is a really significant contributor to that. So agricultural sector is massive in contributing to climate change through the use of inputs, fertilizers, chemicals, through the way that uh, land use change is happening, uh, tearing down forests to plant crops, things like this. Um, so globally, agriculture is a huge contributor to our ecological impact. Um, but also, uh, our agriculture, like our food sector, has become really concentrated and uh, oligopolized, or essentially a lot like a monopoly. You know, there are a very small number of players that control the food systems around the world, whether that's the uh, big distributors of the major grain crops, or in the UK, the case of supermarkets with about eight different supermarkets controlling about 95% of the market share. Um, so it basically means that our entire food system has been taken out of the hands of the people and put into the hands of enormous multinationals. And this, for something like food, just feels so wrong, you know? Like food is actually a really fundamental part of all of our lives. Every celebration that we have involves food. Food is how we bring the outside world inside of us, you know? Food is how we come together with, with our loved ones. Food has always been a way that communities bond together. Um, so this is what we're trying to address, you know, how can we take these massive global problems and create, create local solutions that really address them at their core. Uh -huh. So yeah, this is what we're focusing on. How did you get into this? So my journey into this uh, was uh, uh, through, I, so my first, in my first professional life, uh, I was a software developer. And one day I found myself 
uh, writing software to help people buy tickets on cruise ships. <laughs> and I was looking at these photos of, um, of floating cities that are cruise ships and just decided that this was not something that I could do with my life. Um, so I left that and went and trained to be a farmer in uh, biodynamic agriculture. And while I was training and living on farms, uh, I started to understand that there wasn't really anywhere for me to sell produce, you know, like it was really, everyone who was trying to sell produce as a small scale farmer in the area was doing it by themselves, you know, like doing their own distribution routes, things like this. So, uh, so me and a few other people, we came together and we created what we call a food hub. Um, and so we brought together lots of different producers and we created an online farmer's market. So producers would upload their produce online uh, and then uh, people would come on and they'd shop for it, buy it like an online farmer's market. And then once a week we distribute it out to people. Um, and so we called this model a food hub. We found that there were lots of other people in the UK trying to do similar things. So we, uh, we started to talk with them and link up and we all realized that one of the most onerous parts of this was keeping the software going, creating good software. Uh, so we decided to join forces and to build this software together. Uh, and uh, after a little while of doing this, we realized it was still really hard because there's not very much money in creating local food projects. And we realized that there were lots of people around the world doing this as well. So then we linked up with groups in Australia and France and Germany and Canada and Catalonia and the US. Um, groups all around the world have now come together and we pull our resources to try and create the software tools that make this uh, as easy as possible. So it's been quite a journey. <laughs> did, um, did the Open Food Network start in Australia, is that right? It did, yeah. Um, yeah, so Kirsten and Serenity started the project in Australia uh, working, uh, it came out of the um, back of a research project where they were trying to solve similar problems. Um, yeah. And it, is, it, is it very technical? I mean, will are non-techies able to use your system well? Uh, I mean, what we've really learned is that technical is a big scale. Uh, what we find is that if you're a millennial, <laughs> if you've grown up with computers, then you can find your way around it. Uh, one of the challenges that we, that we have is um, working with food producers. Often food producers are, you know, they've actively chosen a life that's not technical. So yeah, yeah. there's a higher amount of technical kind of phobia often. And I don't like to generalize, but it does tend to be the case. Um, so actually like it, it, what it does show us is that there's a really important role for this kind of community scale middle middle organization you know the, the some people in the community who can bring together the different local producers uh and do some of that technical work it's it's quite you know an upload products and make sure the photos look good things like this um so yeah someone who can play that role in a community to help the different producers that just want to spend their time out in the field doing what they do best is a really right. important role yeah, because so, even, even uploading a, an image would be hard for somebody who just doesn't know how to do it. Exactly. And we do our best to make it as easy as possible. Um, we try really hard for that. And um, a lot of work goes into making it, you know, as easy as possible to make all of this happen. But it's just a, it's just a fact of the world, you know, like software and computer systems have developed so quickly over the past very few years. We can't expect everybody to have prioritized 
making you know that knowledge part of their life in that really short time yeah. what um what successes have you had uh so the project the project has been on quite a journey in the past six years i think um in the uk it feels really amazing to be working with a lot of the different food hubs and food, community food enterprises that we work with across the country um, and I feel like the real successes belong to them. So like Tamar Valley Food Hubs, for example, in the Tamar Valley um, down in Cornwall. They're, they're just an incredible organization. They, uh, they work with about 40 different local producers. They bring this produce together. They do partnerships with the local council um, to and local authorities to try and make this food accessible to more people. And they've been partnered in projects where uh, they work with, you know, a lot of the, the raw skills around how to make better use of food. So uh, things like cooking programs that teach people how to cook from scratch so that they can get these affordable local vegetables and actually make best use of them. Um, so that's been, a, you know, seeing that journey where it goes so much deeper than just, hey, here's, here's some vegetables available to you. You know, even that is not necessarily socially transformative. Um, so their journey in terms of how they can actually help people really incorporate good food into their lives is really inspiring. Mm -hmm. um, another project that is absolutely mind-blowingly awesome uh, are the New Dawn Traders. Uh, they so they um, have a ship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There's actually a whole network, the Sail Cargo Alliance, of different organisations doing this, but. Alex from New Dawn Traders has been one of the driving forces and she, she's incredible. Uh, so they, uh, they uh, take their ship, the Galleons, and they bring on crew. So people pay for the kind of experience to be part of the crew. They sail it down to the Mediterranean, pick up loads of different crops that don't grow in the UK, you know, and like um, olives and olive oil, things like this. Uh, they put it on their ship and then they sail it all the way back to the UK and distribute it through the Open Food Network. Um, and yeah, like it's just really fascinating exploring the dual revenue streams that they're that they're taking to be able to make this work, um, and how they're you know really trying to transform. Because obviously, in a country like the UK, you know we can't produce all of the foods that we consume here. I don't know about you, but I don't want to go without olive oil and chocolate and coffee in my life. So there's always going to be a role for importing food into this country. Yeah. Um, and trying to explore that through the, through completely sustainable means like the power of wind is really inspiring. Yeah, so we, we, we had um, a five litre container of olive oil from the sailboat project. Right, yeah, they're and part of the alliance as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and um, you know, people came around and we, we explained and said, like, this, is, this is produced by a, a small family farm in Portugal it's it's brought here by a cooperative on a sailboat it's like how many boxes can you tick <laughs> right and there's something so powerful about that story right like when when food has a story behind it i feel like i feel like it gives it a depth that actually i mean my own my own feeling in this is that it enhances the nutrition of the food it's like it's like when you eat it all of these positive memories are being kicked off at the same time and the feeling that it generates in your body is is a really incredibly positive feeling. Um, and I feel like that helps the, you know, there's something where the food becomes more powerful because of that. Yeah, and I think, yeah. 
Yeah, you know, like there's so much of our food that can have these kind of stories with, you know, if it's the salad grown down the road uh, that was harvested and then delivered by bicycle or the olive oil by ship or, you know, like like bringing these stories into our food and then bringing people together to eat it. That's I feel like that's what food's about. And that's part of what we I think we can do when we start to bring food distribution and the sale of food back into the hands of communities. Yeah. So imagine I'm a market gardener or a small farmer and I've got a veg box scheme or a farm shop and um, I want to sell food locally. Um, what do I do? How do I engage with you? Yeah. So um, at the moment, the scale that we work on, we, we don't have like a, a national distribution network and it's not necessarily what we're aiming for. But what we do try to do is if there's interest in a, from a local community, um, say they want to set up some kind of local food distribution project in their area, uh, then we can work with you to fill in all the gaps in that process. And as we do it, we're developing as many resources as we can to make it as easy as possible. So, so and everybody comes at different stages of the journey. Sometimes it's maybe a local transition group or a um, you know a group of buyers that come together and they're like well we want to do this better so then we can start to help them put get in touch with different producers understand how they build a distribution route make it really easy to get everything online how do you market yourselves you know how do you build this community food enterprise that's viable as well so it's all based um, on local it's all based on local nodes it's all based on local nodes exactly um, so we really operate with the principle of subsidiarity um, so what's the most local organizing that you can do? So like when you're growing a carrot, it has to be pretty local. You can't, you know, there's a specific place that that carrot is growing. But when it comes to distribution, actually every farmer driving all of his carrots or whatever around is quite resource intensive. And so by cooperating and coordinating regionally or locally, you can start to make that more efficient. When it comes to building the software, like it turns out that all around the world, we are constantly encountering people with the same problems, you know, the same challenges are coming up in India and South Africa, uh, as well as, you know, the UK and Australia. So by pooling our resources to develop the software, we feel that, um, yeah, we're kind of getting benefits that reach out around the world. So yeah, subsidiarity is how we organize. So if I'm a food, if I'm a food um, provider, I yep. can con contact you and you'll tell us if, if I already have a local group I can join. Yeah. Or, or you'll help me set up one. Yeah, if that's something that you have in your capacity. You could also, I mean, we do have a lot of producers that sell just in themselves, uh, you know, as an individual farmer through the Open Food Network. Um, so that's also an option. Um, and a lot of market gardeners will do that. Maybe if they've got like a, a CSA scheme or a box scheme, you know. So there's lots of different ways. And I think um, but we're definitely open to have a chat and see how we can work together. So an existing community supported agriculture scheme can just join the open food network. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what about the uh, customers? What's the customer's journey? How do they interact with you? Yeah. So what we, what we try to do is work with the, so again, like, you know, we, we don't have the big marketing budget that um, VC funded organizations tend to have. So we are a lot more concentrated and specific and we work with our producers and our food hubs to better market their own produce. And so a lot of that happens through social media. Social media is really effective because, you know, it's an online buying platform. So people hear about it through Facebook and click the link and go and can start shopping. Um, uh, yeah. So, 
it, we tend to work in the local areas, understanding what are the different ways that people can, with no budget, reach as many people as possible. And it tends like social media and word of mouth tend to be the ways forward. So, uh, I mean, we have a map on our website that shows where all the producers and hubs are. If you're just seeing this and you want to have a look, if there's something close, um, uh, yeah. And like another thing is that most of our food hubs they don't promote themselves as the open food network so you would have heard of them as the enterprise that they are we kind of we feel like our role is to stand in the background and support while you know the the local enterprises shine their bright light you know um so definitely like have a look at the map and see if there's someone close um and yeah if not then it would be great to be building more of these around the country if anyone's keen and, and for a customer, is the food delivered to your home or can you also... It varies. Through? So again, this is where the communities design their own distribution systems. So uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the different enterprises do home delivery. Most of them do pickup points. So maybe there'll be a pickup point at a local school or a local pub or the town hall or something like this. Um, so again, that kind of food goes from a central packing hub down to nodes of where people can pick up. So... I mean, it's one of the challenges of of the Open Food Network because everything is really community centric. What's going to work well in your community? In some communities, everybody just wants home delivery. So that's what the community will deliver. Uh, other communities, nobody wants to pay for home delivery. It's too spread out, geographically um, dispersed. So going to different nodes, pick up points in different villages around the area makes more sense. Um, yeah. What What are the biggest obstacles you face? Uh, there are many. Um, I feel that um, the obstacles vary from place to place. In urban areas, I think there's a high expectation of convenience now, right? Like uh, when I've lived in Bristol and at the moment I live in London, at the end of my streets, I can go and get organic lentils at 10 o'clock on a Sunday night, you know, like as a pre-ordering food system, we can't compete with that. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, um, so in urban areas, there's a really high expectation of convenience, but that's different in rural areas. People, people don't have the same expectation of convenience, you know, that, uh, and we actually find that these projects have a lot more success in rural areas where people are prepared to order and have a delivery of good quality food a couple of days later. Um, but there often the challenge is, is distribution logistics. A lot of these places, it takes a lot of driving to get things from place to place, you know, like things are, are quite far apart. And that adds to the cost of the food, which means that people pay more than they pay in supermarkets um, just because, the, you know, shipping food about costs more. Uh, and so that means that you, it's much harder to kind of make good food available to everyone. You often find that there's, there's the people who, who can and you know, are willing to pay more for their food and then that's not everybody. And so we also try to work with communities to figure out how they can create pricing structures where maybe if someone can afford to pay a bit more then someone else can pay a bit less or what, what can we do to try, and, to try and make it more accessible. Mm -hmm. how, do you, how do you make your money? So as the Open Food Network, we charge a percentage on each sale um, so it's about two percent which is pretty small in the 
scheme of these different projects, uh, things that have popped up so far, and as enterprises scale, then uh, our pricing goes down to enable uh, projects to grow. But I mean, to, at the moment, we're still grant funded, mostly. Um, and that applies on the global scale. So, you know, we have, a, we have the vision to get to the point where sales turnover and consultancy as well can cover all of our costs. But at the moment, we're still dependent on grants to uh -huh. make everything fit together. And, and what criteria do you use for food producers to be on your site? I mean, if, if a corporate food, food provider uh, approached you, what would you do? I mean, how, what, what, what criteria do you use? Uh, so at the moment, um, it's it's kind of on a case by case basis. Um, everywhere, like based on our networks and the way that we market, everyone who's come on so far uh, has has uh, ethical underpinning, underpinning. Most are cooperatives. Most are CICs. The ones that aren't aren't. You know, they still have their ethical some some kind of ethical basis for what they do. They just needed to set up more quickly than a CIC would allow. You know, whatever. Um, uh, our producers are all um, aiming for uh, agroecological approach. Um, and one of the challenges with set with having like binaries, you know, yes or no, who do we allow, who do we not, uh, is that a lot of this is really blurry. You know, like. If, if someone's work, we have some, um, some projects that are working only in areas uh, of social deprivation or lower incomes. And so we can't say you must be organic because you're missing out on all the social benefits you get from bringing people together to start to think about food uh, with, you know, keeping prices low. Um, and, you know, there aren't really good standards. What is local? You know, we can't we can't just say only local food because that means that we could never sell coffee, but there's some great local roasters, or we could never sell bananas, but that means that people will go to the supermarket for their bananas instead of supporting a community food enterprise. So we'd more do this by bringing by spreading the word through our networks um, of cooperatives and agroecological food producers. Uh, and working with people on this kind of case-by-case -case basis. So far, it's, uh, it's working well. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's one of the things where if we get to a scale where suddenly one of the bigger corporate players comes knocking on our door, then we'll have to address it then. Okay. And you're, so you're, uh, you're like a portal um, for anybody mm -hmm. interested in buying or selling, um, you know, real food, local food. Um, can small producers use you as their website? Could they could they have a, a section of a page on your on your website so they don't need a website themselves? And or you know, if not that, at least use you instead of installing an online shop. Yeah, I mean, we we serve as an online shop. You can certainly put all of your information up there in terms of like pictures and what you do and what you're about. Um, we tend to find that most producers and hubs will have some kind of about page as well and then they'll link to the shop from their website um but yeah i mean others don't others just have their shop and it has all of their information and all of their products and that's their website um yeah yeah it really varies so um can, can customers sort of get deliveries from more than one supplier in their area in the same delivery is there interaction between the different suppliers yeah, well, that's the role of the food hubs. So they bring together the different producers under one umbrella 
um, as an online farmer's market. Um, and that's, yeah, uh, so that's the main way that it's done through, through people who are kind of building these food hubs. They'll bring together loads of different producers under one banner. And I, I, I had a look around your site. There was one, the one thing I didn't understand. For some shops, it said they're, they're closed for orders. I couldn't order yeah. anything. I wondered why that was. Yeah, so the way that we um, the way that we structure the ordering is that we do it through what we call an order cycle, um, and the order cycles uh, essentially that means that uh, there's a closing date for orders. So people will order, say, <laughs> hi, cat. <laughs> this is, this is Pete. In front of the screen. <laughs> it's making me laugh. Um, uh, yeah, so we have a closing date for for orders so um, that the producers have time to prepare them. That means you bake the number of loaves of bread or you pick the number of bags of salads and then they get delivered a couple of days after generally. Um, and that the reason for this is that there's less wastage this way. Uh, so if you have a farmer's market, say on a Saturday and you bake 50 loaves of bread and then it rains and no one comes, what happens to that bread? It tends to be wasted. Um, so we structure around this idea of an order cycle, which could be constantly open or it could be uh, with really like tight turnarounds. But um, that's why some of the shops are closed. Uh, yeah. And so, I mean, some of them have also stopped trading or uh, they just came on to test it out, things like that as well. But yeah, for the most part, it is um, based on order cycles. We, um, we get a veg box delivered from Sutton Community Farm. Nice. I interviewed Alice a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, we used to get a fish box uh, from a guy who drove down to the coast and met the small family fishing boat, but he stopped doing it. Can I use the Open Food Network to find another one? Yeah. So we have an amazing fish supplier that distributes nationally by courier on the Open Food Network called Soul of Discretion. Uh, and they, they're a really inspiring project. They're based uh, out of Plymouth. I hope I got that right. Um, and uh, they only work with small catch fishes. They've done a lot of research into the most sustainable fishery practices. Um, they do a lot of fish uh, that's frozen as well because with fish life cycles, actually there are certain times of year where you can catch a lot, you know, a larger number of the fish without damaging the population. Other times of year you can't. So they really try to encourage uh, people to be ordering frozen fish when the when that fish is out of um season you know um so yeah they they've done a lot of research and they work with some incredible fishes uh to try and make sure that we can eat fish as sustainably as possible they're amazing <laughs>